welcome to the Natural Underground. I'm your host, Al Springer. Look, this is the radio show and podcast dedicated to the natural food industry. Doesn't that sound awesome? We're doing this mildly. for you. Yeah, mildly. That's probably right. <laughs> sure. That's probably right. Sure. Look, those voices you hear, we're joined in the studio today by, it says, insert insult here. I guess I should have really... Oh, how Brechtian of you, which is a I, word I just learned from Jessalyn. Yes, that means that you're acknowledging that you're performing. What was that? What was he babbling about earlier? This is breaking the fourth wall. He said, are we breaking the fourth wall? And I said, no, (laughs) we're not. Feels like we are. First of all, this show is much more like a lean-to than anything that was on wall. (laughs) But let's just assume that that we know what she's talking about. Yeah. Well, hey, audience, insult me. That that would be one. Uh, so okay. if I'm watching a movie or a TV show and the guy kind of turns and does Very the like, monologue. House of Cards. Yeah, right? yeah. They, they, do that all they the steal time. a lot from film Like Malcolm noir. in the Middle. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Growing up? <laughs> yeah. Does no one yeah. remember that? Yeah. yeah. It would always about, talk to the camera? Yeah, that's that's called an aside. There you go. Aside, but what is it? A third wall? What that's the say? fourth wall. That's so you assume wall. that there's like a wall on either side of them, the wall behind them, and then and now they broke. You, they, most people don't look right at the camera unless oh, you're breaking. Like we have the learned something. Wall. That's our show today, everybody. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. See you next we just week. wanted to make sure we put out our word of the day, <laughs> and we've got that happening. <laughs> look, we have a jam-packed show. We're joined by two great guests today. We're this is going to be good. You're going to mm-hmm. enjoy this. First, we have Bruce Langer of Langer's Juice. If you know juice, you probably know Langer's, right? It's a great juice brand, and they've managed to continue to be innovative in the ever-changing, ever-busy, dynamic world of the juice category. So they've stayed wildly relevant, and having Bruce on is like having juice royalty He's on the Mr. show. He's Mr. Langer. He is Mr. Langer of Langer's Juice. <laughs> We're also very excited because in the second uh, part of the show and actually a two-part interview with Robert Kleinman of the Kleinman Law Firm. And Jessalyn, when you start talking intellectual property, trademarks, stuff really important to our listeners, you lose your mind. I don't know why, but it's I really like it. I think I kind of like arguing. Surprise, yeah, surprise. Yeah, runs anybody, in the family. Wow. Did anybody... <laughs> and um, I don't know. I guess it's just interesting that you can like argue a color. Like, that's my color. You can't use it. We talk so amazing. You and I have talked about this before, Ryan, as well. If I, and I don't know the answer to this, and if we remember, we'll ask him. Uh We probably won't remember, (laughs) I'm guessing. Uh, But uh, if you're taking a picture of something, I've always wondered about this. We've had this argument a lot, actually. Like a famous, so if I take a picture of the Empire State Building and make it part of my photography, I think that's mine. But somehow I have a feeling if I took a bunch of photos of the University of Texas with their sort of signature tower, why do I feel like they would stop? I think you can. I think you can copyright I here. think you probably could as long as their like logo isn't in it or their like no, university I mean, name. No, but I there's, mean, there's I mean, you more, can't. I think more. you can copyright like your architecture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, identity. Yeah. Well, but, you're talking about the UT Towers specifically, that one conversation. But it can be anything had. around the country that sort of is like that. Now, uh, so oh, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. And I suspect that we won't ask him that question because we have a thousand questions well, related to our industry profit, that we like won't ask him. If you're selling it versus if you're a mm. newspaper, yeah. there's a relevant yeah. you know, well, happening. We're going to find out a lot. My brain's already exploding. I know. And that's why you get excited. So we're going to have, we just figured with all of the brands who are building a brand, all the folks who, the entrepreneurs launching businesses, launching products, let's get a trademark attorney on and talk about defending your name, defending your, your design, your look, your tagline, mm-hmm. all of those things that sort of fall under intellectual property and how do we protect them? Mm-hmm. Cool. Very He's going to be on two 
big segments. And I'm going to lose my she mind. She is going to lose her mind. Speaking <laughs> of losing our mind, we are fresh back from, well, okay, maybe two weeks back from Natural Food Expo. still feels fresh. Mm-hmm. It feels fresh because, and we've mentioned this uh, to you guys before, if you're a listener maybe in Austin and you're not part of the industry that we're in, um, imagine with the, uh, an event for an industry. This is all sort of natural, better for you food, beverages, you know, household, personal care, pet food, anything you can think of. Imagine they all gather at the convention center in Anaheim every March and then again in Baltimore in the fall, about two thirds of the size of the show on that one. But I think they have somewhere between what, 83, 86,000. I was just trying to look it up, actually. Celebrities, entrepreneurs, uh, money people, folks who want to invest in brands. They're all there. Mm-hmm. And for us, for what we do at the Touch Agency, it's a challenge because we have a lot of clients there and then a lot of people who either we want to talk to about helping their business or they want to talk to us. So it's sort of survival uh, survival week for us in a lot of ways. Right. None of that takes away from the fact that it's an amazingly fun experience, particularly when you look for hot product categories. Yeah. So, Jesslyn, what did you guys see when you were out there in Ryan? Well, I made a little list as I was walking around, um, kind of seeing what trends I was spotting over and over. I definitely would say turmeric seems to be super yes. hot. Turmeric. Yeah, I saw that everywhere. Everything. Beverages, mm-hmm. um, shots, uh, everywhere. Like sprinkled on things. Yeah. Also, in the same uh, token, like drinking vinegar. Lots of either like a juice that has uh, apple cider vinegar in it or like a little shot right. that you're supposed to take. Live has some drinking vinegars mm-hmm. out that are really pretty tasty and interesting because people love everything from the kind of probiotic gut help that it gut relief and, and sort of healthy gut side of it too. And what's interesting about these show, this show is whatever is hot this year, then you can watch in a year from this now. Be 25 Companies. 25 copycats. Lots of bone broth. Yeah. Oh, bone broth. Yes. That was a quick, quick trend, too. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it was Austin-based companies have been really on the forefront of that with Epic, right? The people yeah. that, that uh, started the Epic uh, uh, bars, bars also launched all the, you know, a lot of bone broth, and that became, is already becoming a huge category. Right. Something that I really enjoyed and would actually purchase is it I saw a lot of companies t- going away from like a smoothie sort of a drink and like those soups on the go right it's like drinking a cold tomato soup or a carrot soup in a regular little ready to drink RTD yeah. package yeah right. and I was maybe a little skeptical but when I tried it, it was really refreshing and it wasn't strange to have like a savory flavor no you plus you feel go. like because it's the soup it's a little bit thicker like, uh, Probably way less sugar as well. Less sugar. And so you feel like you're getting something substantial. I thought that it felt substantial when you were drinking it and healthy. So you yeah. felt good about it. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. And um, I know lots of beets. Yeah. Beet everything chips. beets. Mm-hmm. That's been three years or so now that everything beet and the health side of beets uh, were. They're it quite seemed versatile. like there were 15 booths that had beet related mm-hmm. something or other in their product development. And definitely chickpea. Chickpea, yeah. oh, whether yeah. it was like a pasta alternative or chickpea chips or like roasted chickpeas. 
Yeah. I saw this trend that I think is really flying under the radar. It's when they take gluten out of your food. It's called gluten-free. <laughs> Have you guys seen that? What no, I haven't is seen that. that? Man. Not a smart man. I don't yeah. think it's going to do well, but... Yeah. Mm-mm. No, Weird. No. Interesting. Yeah. I'll then, launch a pro-gluten yeah. product. I don't know too many people who are gluten-sensitive, so yeah, yeah. I'll I think get the that's demo. A small, seems to be a small audience. And it seems it like is. it's going away. You heard it, it here first. Gluten-free yeah. is never going to take off. Yeah. What was the best thing that you tried? Did you try anything real memorable? Well, I'm biased because it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. But I, for a decade now, I've said the best thing I've tried is holy wholesome pies, and and believe me, it's just pie. It's just natural ingredients, but it's pie. but still pie. But my gosh, I don't know what they do, but that thing is, is it like a little mini pie or what? I mean, it's a whole no, pie. No, it's whole pies. They're so you fro- just try you it buy them in the freezer mm. department. Hey, wait a minute. One of our, one of the brands that we deal with every day, one and nexty. Oh, yeah. Hail Mary won a Nexty in the best new sweet or dessert category for their dessert cups. Yeah. So they have like little tarts that are in cups, Mm -hmm. but now it's a two pack. And guys, I'm telling you, one of those is just an explosion of delightful Mm -hmm. decadence. And they have brand new packaging that looks amazing. Yeah. And it was so funny watching Susan, who we know, the, the founder of Hail Mary win. She was so happy. And everybody was all jazzed up, and um, it was just one of those brands that that took something great and made it even better in terms right. of the package. I stopped by the booth, and the booth was phenomenal. Yeah. Oh well, you win an award, you get a big crowd, yeah. right? Yeah. So we know you're getting hungry. We're gonna you know, hopefully for information and and listening to some interviews as well as just us describing some of these great natural food items are out there. But we have to take a break. You're listening to the Natural Underground. Welcome back to the Natural Underground with Ryan, Al, and Jess. Not in order of importance. Not at all. No. <laughs> Ryan would not be first. No. <laughs> I want to be first. Clearly no. been established on this program. Ryan, you kind of live in the middle ground. The middle wow. ground? Wow. Yeah. What a vague like, and like, seemingly well, insulting thing. Seemingly be, insulting. You don't want to be first. You want to be like just kicking it well, in the middle. There used to be this really funny show called uh, Blue Wait Mountain State where the guy you. said backup quarterback is the best position to be in all of sports. Yeah, that's yeah, you. That's not your approach you're in cool. life. It's just your approach here on the show. <laughs> yeah, definitely my approach on the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay, good. Just right, kind of kicking no, no, no. it, we need hanging to out. Ryan, cool guy. Well, this is going to be a very interesting segment because as we've teased too many times at this point, Jesslyn, very excited. We're all very excited because so many of our listeners are either looking to launch a brand or a product. They're maybe right at the stage where they've launched it and they're trying to get it kind of going. Or maybe they're managing a big established brand and they have worries about or questions, concerns about intellectual property. Mm -hmm. Trademarks, trade names, um, protecting design, colors, all of those things. There's nothing that can come back and bite you Sort of worse, harder. I don't know what the right <laughs> word is. None of that sounds that more great. More intensely. Yeah, more <laughs> intensely than not having your intellectual property ducks in a row. Right. Well, we mentioned this guest. We've teased him long enough. Let's get him in here. Robert. Hey. Yeah. Thank I'm you. Glad to have you on the Natural Underground. Tell us about your background. What drew you to IP and trademark law as opposed to other areas of law? Ha <laughs> ha. That is just a crazy question. Right, I'll just tell you. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I was in uh, Las Vegas 
I was at a. I ba- like this already. All was, good stories I was, start I was this at way. A bachelor party. This is getting better. And um and I was walking. I was stumbling. Well, walking. Um, I was slightly inebriated. I'm sure because it was stumbling. Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, uh, through the lobby of I think it was Caesar's Palace, and I saw this pinball machine that was said Tabasco. Like the theme of the, the pinball machine was Tabasco. <laughs> now, were you already a lawyer? No. Okay. No. And um and and I looked at it, and um and I I was like, why do I understand this? Why does a pinball machine that <laughs> says Tabasco on it like sit well with me and uh, and make sense? <laughs> and then at that moment, I realized that I had to become a trademark lawyer, and I did. And now there you go. That's a cool story. <laughs> well, was it because you're interested in how how they had the rights to use that name on their machine? It was, you, it was it much was much deeper than that. More, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> was, that, you don't even. Yeah, it was religious. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> um, sounds it, like a good time it. in Vegas. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of things in Vegas become sort of religious. I know exactly. That's incredible. <laughs> so when you interact with a brand, what are the most common reasons they hire you? Trademarks, logos, packaging, all the above. They, they know that they have an intellectual property issue. It means that they have a reputation, and they know that their reputation. Is one of their biggest assets, whether it's their name or their look or whatnot. They don't know, but they want to get an intellectual property lawyer. They bring me in. I look at their business and their intellectual property, and I make the appropriate uh, recommendations and tell them what's what. Tell them what can be done and what they need to do. I call it like an audit. Right. Mm -hmm. Kind of do an evaluation, a diagnostic, and then figure out from there where to go. Right. Exactly. I love it. So help our listeners. In the term of trademark basics, in terms of trademark basics, Help us understand the difference between registered trademarks, like a simple TM, a circle R. What is all that? How does that work? Okay. The United States Patent and Trademark Office in Washington is the authority that when you see a circle R, it's because that means that they've registered the trademark. Okay. And a registered trademark by the USPTO extends to all 50 United States and whatnot. Um, When you just see a TM, it means that the person is claiming some kind of common law trademark right. It's basically, um, it's, 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 well, I don't want to say it's completely worthless, but it, it's, it's almost worthless. Right. So in other words, it's like you're, it's declarative, but it doesn't mean anything that's been sanctioned by anybody. Or... Right. It's like me saying that I'm the heavyweight boxing champion of the world. I mean, I can, I can claim that, but I really can't back it up. <laughs> right. There may be a challenge. So what is, what is the point? Why would someone? Ignorance. I mean, they, they're, they, they mean well, but trademarks are not a simple field. And um, people know a little bit about it. They're aware of the issue, but they don't know what to do or how to properly protect themselves. So we uh, sort of expanding on that. You said you register with the USPTO or whatever. But one of our uh, our guests, we were talking to her about trademarks and Mm -hmm. she was curious about. So we know how to register in the U.S. What about? international trademarks. Yeah, I know so, you probably talked to so that I imagine forever. a lot of brands that but. get success going oh. in the U.S., they want to go to new markets. Uh, I, I bet that's just a scary world outside of your own country. Isn't there something where, like, most countries... I've registered trademarks in probably 75 countries. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very straightforward. Uh, for example, the European Union is comprised of 28 member states, and they have a single trademark office... And so if you file for a trademark there and it registers, it's just like our USPTO and it extends to all 28 member states. Oh, wow. Um, there's, you know, Canada, Mexico. With maybe not England. But we well, well that's funny because that's actually very good. That's an issue. And here's the real trivia geek trademark thing. Not Norway or Switzerland because yeah, they're, not they're not EU not members. EU. Yep. Oh. So, okay. They're just in the common market. That's right. Uh, very good. Very good. That's a pretty darn intellectual show you just stumbled into. Oh, yeah. So and, what um, about China specifically? China, we a third of about. my business is China. Um, <laughs> wow. I'm not even sure 
where to begin. Um, <laughs> trademarks are more of a suggestion than a reality yeah, in trademark yeah, yeah. Yeah. In, in China. And um, it's an ongoing struggle for everyone that does business there. And their laws are very different there. And, for example, our laws, you can't really copy products. And if we see it, we get outraged. Their laws are just quite different than ours. And people have to adjust their expectations when they do business there. And uh, I'm, I'm constantly dealing with it. There, You will see exact knockoffs or copies either of my clients' products or their brand names or whatnot. Um, <laughs> I have a – I'll just say it. Um, I have a sunglasses <laughs> – factory uh a very high-end italian uh client that make sunglasses are these the glasses you're wearing no no all right those are very stylish thank you um and um and there's a reason for i'm not wearing their glasses but but um anyway so they were uh their products were being shipped all over the world but they were knockoffs made from china so we hired a detective in china in a law firm to track down you know who was doing this and so the detective wow. finally found the exact factory. And they said, okay, here's the address. Um, you know, what should we do next? What do, what do you want me to do? And I said, I want you to burn it down. <laughs> and, and the reason I said that, there was, it was a joke. But, but it took them 30 seconds to realize it was a joke. Because that's only the beginning of the legal battle in China. Because then they're probably operating within their laws. Even though they're making the same glasses with the same design and the same logo. And in fact, we know we've been working on that for years and it's cost us tens of thousands of dollars. We're getting success. But rather than um, you know, the, go through the two years and the tens of thousands of dollars and all the legal process, if they had burned it down, um, you know, it might have been a <laughs> it little... It might have been better. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I like it. I that's like intense. It. Well, on that note, let's take a quick break. We're going to talk more to Robert Kleinman. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to finish our very interesting discussion about copyright and intellectual property. You're listening to The Natural Underground. Welcome back to The Natural Underground. We are in the middle of an interview with Robert Kleinman of the Kleinman Law Firm, and we're having a great discussion about copyright and intellectual property. Well, um, just thinking about questions that brands might have um, back to the United States, we can bring it home. I know we've had some brands. I was wondering if you could talk to sort of, um, let's say I want to start a cookie company and I want to call it Sugar I don't know. But what if there's a uh, I was going to speak to like consumer confusion. Let's say there's a um, drink that's called sugar. But I want to create a cookie company called sugar. Um, I know you can go online and look for registered trademarks and names. But is that something? And it probably has a bigger problem than even that. Is yeah, you sugar. <laughs> generic. OK, well, let's no, say it's called it's called J.P. Sugar. No, no, I, I like I like sugar. No, okay. it's, it's better when it's sugar. J.P. Sugar makes it too easy. OK, um, sugar, because sugar could be if it was really generic, it would be sugar in a package. Right. Sugar itself in relation to a cookie is merely suggestive unless okay. it's a sugar cookie. But, I mean, mm-hmm. to brand cookies as sugar, I don't know. if it's, it's not sugar. Right. So it's suggested, and therefore it's registrable. Same thing with a beverage. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. Unless it's, you know, what, what is it that, that sugar water called? The Vitamin syrup? water? No, the syrup. There's actually, <laughs> when you mix sugar and water, there's a name for that beverage, for that syrup. Lemonade? Nah, it's a syrup. <laughs> simple syrup. Simple yeah. syrup. If, okay, if, you, right. if you were marketing simple syrup called sugar, that would be generic and okay. impermissible. Okay. But if I was um, 
doing like some kind of energy drink or something, you know, it, it, it's not what it is. So it would be fine. Um, however, are, are cookies and beverages too closely related? That is my other question. And, yeah. and that's, a, that's an excellent question. And the only, you can only use your common sense to get there because we don't know. If, if the judge says it's too close, then it's too close. Too close. Um, it, snow tires, if we had sugar snow tires and sugar um, beverage, they're not related. Right. But, but um, it happens. Like, for example, I'm dealing with one right now where um, there'll be a brand of beer that has a name. And then a restaurant has the exact same name that's unrelated to them. And obviously, restaurants serve beer, and is that too close, and, and whatnot. That one, we're going to uh, work something out. But that's a good example of where that line is. Mm-hmm. And then who determines, I, I guess you reference a judge, but is it up to a judge to determine how close two categories are? That, In other words, I would imagine automotive and cookies pretty far apart. Right. The, and- cookies and uh, tarts or, you know, turnovers or something pretty darn close. There's 45 international trademark classes, and they are intended to cover all the goods and services in the universe. Okay. Um, 25 is clothing, for example. Everything you can think of, you know, nine is um, electronics. And so when you apply for a trademark, the good or service is put into the appropriate international trademark class, and then it's compared to see if there are other existing marks within that class that are confusingly similar to that mark. Um, however, like you mentioned with the sugars and the cookies, sometimes there can be a little overlap between classes, but what you generally, you know, if there's nothing in that class, you go for it. I love it. Hmm. So let's say a brand's interested then in actually registering a trademark with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. How does that process begin? Do they come to you? How does that, what, what does that look like? Can I, uh, well, I'm just going to, can I mention LegalZoom or not? Absolutely. If, if, if You can't do it. On, I mean, it's very, very difficult if you do it on your own, whether you do it through LegalZoom or not. The reason being 89% of U.S. trademark applications, you file a trademark, and then the United States Patent and Trademark Office has what's called an outgoing office action or response to your application. And if you're not a lawyer, you know, forget it. You're I never going to see the reaction, the response. Well, no, you'll see the response, but you, you it's just it incomprehensible. Okay. Um, you know, it would be like actually trying to read and understand every line of your tax return, including the instructions. I mean, no one yeah, does nobody that. Nobody knows what's going and, on. And um, mm-hmm. so it's the same kind of thing. So I think it, you, you really need to get a lawyer or you're throwing away money. But what you do is you get a lawyer. The lawyer helps you figure out, you know, what is unique about your trademark, whether or not your trademark is viable. Um, and um, then... Uh, assuming that that's all where it should be, you formally file an application with the United States Patent and Trademark Office. The uh, application fees are about $250. And if there's no other trademarks there they do um, that are similar, they do a search. Uh, if the search shows that there's nothing, no prior mark that's identical, um, they, they allow it. Then they publish it in the Trademark Gazette, which means that they publish this uh, journal that... Um, that uh, that the whole world can look at and 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 see if their trademark is in there um, and object. They have a 30-day objection period, and if there's no objection period, the mark registers. Typically, the process takes about between 12 and 18 months, the whole thing. When a mark registers, how protected are you really, or are you just sort of protected, but anybody can challenge it? So in other words, let's say that the attorney for or the, or the, the entrepreneur, somebody, a company that owns a brand, didn't see it in whatever public, you know, publishing this book, this 
ads that go out, whatever it is, if they don't see it and it ends up nobody challenges and it gets passed, then what you know, where does it get, where do you go from there? That person has a big problem. A registered trademark is presumed valid and registered forever. It, or is there an expiration? Well, it, it does. It does. We'll get to that. It expires between the fifth and sixth year. But once a trademark registers, then you are deemed the legally um, uh, senior user and you have all the rights. And anybody who says that, oh, I didn't know it was published or I've been doing this for 20 years, they've got a real problem. Because wow. now the burden is on them to show why they mm. failed to register the trademark and, and protect their brand. But so anyways, is back to your question. How does it how long does it last? You have to renew a trademark between the fifth and sixth year. Once a trademark is renewed after the fifth year, it is it becomes what is called incontestable, legally incontestable. It has superpowers. That means nobody can really mess with it. That's it. Wow. wow. So another question that I had sort of similar to that is, um, let's say I'm a brand uh, and I've been using my name for 10 years and I see someone who comes along and is starting to use the same name. Can you talk to sort of um, filing a trademark versus first to use. Um, how should brands approach that? Brands shouldn't take chances with their trademarks. Their trademarks embody their reputations. They're the most valuable asset. The only thing to do is to file for a registration. For those that fail to file um, for a registration, they've got a problem. So if there's a company that's operating under a certain name and then a subsequent company comes along with the same name but files the trademark, um, that first company has a big problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they may have some right to use right. their original name. You can't take it away from them, right. but it's very limited. It would be limited to a, a, a particular city or a particular, um, uh, you know, they couldn't expand their business. I mean, it, it, it's crippling, and you see it happen all the time. So I yeah. imagine there's, there's folks that will be listening to our show that own a brand, and maybe they have not really done everything they needed to do there and it's been a while so to your point i guess they start by coming back to a a trademark attorney and at least starting the process because it is possible somebody else literally has now a trademark for that name no matter how long they've been in business better than that um when you mentioned before overseas it's actually an industry in china to copy the trademarks of u.s companies um so but filing them in the U.S.? No, no, no. Okay. Filing them in China. Okay. So, that, so what you'll do is you'll have a successful brand in the U.S., and then you'll go to China. This happens all the time. And you'll find that, that somebody else already owns your brand, and you have to buy it back from you. Um, wow. But, but I'm sorry, what was your original question? My original question is, I think there's just sort of a maybe fallacy that, well, I've been using this for longer than this brand, therefore I'm going, they're going to side with me. Yeah, th- that, that's called a common law trademark right. Right. And, and that's, that's like like living in the 1800s. Um, you know, the internet exists now, and when you Google any business name, they all come up on a single page. It doesn't matter where they are in the world or what country. And you cannot claim to be ignorant. You cannot say, well, gee, I've been using this for, for 20 or 30 years. And and every day, the law, the law in other countries already takes that into account. It's just simply first to file. Mm-hmm. Um, the U.S., we still kind of pretend that common law trademark rights exist, but that's that's really not realistic, and that's not the way things are going to be. I have one more question that perhaps you could talk to for three hours, but I was curious. We deal with a lot of entrepreneurs, and maybe they're sort of low on cash. They want to create a video, and they want to use someone's music in it, or they want to use some photography on their website. And I hear a lot of people talk about, oh, well, I think I'd be protected under fair use if I just use a little bit of it. Could you advise any entrepreneurs on how to be careful in navigating those uh 
Just don't, it's maybe? Com- it comes up in our world more than you can possibly imagine. Yeah, well, I'm only going to use 30 every- seconds of their song. <laughs> promoting their own brand, doing their own social media, running around doing production. I, I actually, I lecture on fair use. This is a copyright issue. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of my geek thing, and that's why I can talk about it for hours. I know, I'm very excited I'm about this conversation. I'm a fair use geek. Um, <laughs> the way you described it, don't do it. The reason uh-huh. being that that it's really not fair use. If they're using it to promote their own brand, if they're using somebody else's work to promote the sale of their own product, that does not fall under a fair use. A fair use would be if it was purely educational, if they were trying to distribute information um, as journalists. Uh, selling your own, launching a new product is not a fair use. There's yeah. no protection there. So in other words, even on like a podcast where it's tied to a business, let alone the radio show, it probably is very different on the air than if we go do something as a podcast where it looks like okay, this is more about promoting your business. I can't start using snippets from movies and other things without... Well, well you could if the subject matter was. If you did a podcast about film review, you could okay. take excerpts from from Makes movies. Makes perfect sense. But, but if it was just gratuitous because everybody likes that song, right. um, then and, and, it. and it makes it a great show, then absolutely not. But if it was satirical? Uh, no. <laughs> parody, there's a, the parody, I hate to be such a geek. A no, I'm really excited about this conversation. There's a difference between um, parody and satire. Uh-huh. Parody is right. permitted under fair use. Satire is not. It's a huge misconception. Okay. This is so good. We have no, really to excited. have you back. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, this 12 minutes blew by like like it was you know oh, two that's it? in our mind. That's that's oh, okay. it. Okay, okay. But <laughs> how I, I, and all we got to have you back. This I'm, is, I'm we happy do a to come back. Show on on this because this is mm-hmm. this is too fun and too relevant to all these uh, sort of emerging brands out there. They need to know no, that's this kind of the stuff. most valuable thing. People, it, it absolutely you know, is. So thank you so much. No, thanks, Robert. Thank you so much, Robert Kleiman, Kleiman Law Firm, giving us all kinds of. Information tasty and wizardry, bits. tasty bits on the world <laughs> of intellectual property. You're listening to The Natural Underground. And it was worth every mile when I come through here. You gotta see me smile. Out in my backyard, looking for the crazy peacefulness. You wouldn't think it'd be so hard, but it was. And it is. Welcome back to The Natural Underground. Look, we're very lucky. This is an amazing show. We're lucky to have an industry heavyweight with us, Jessalyn. This yes. is a big deal. I'm shaking in my boots. Right. Join us on the phone from beautiful Southern California. I think it's beautiful today. It wasn't yesterday. I noticed it was raining. Is Bruce Langer. As we've said in the beginning of the show, if you like juice, you probably know Langer's, right? We're going to ask him all kinds of questions about the juice category, about being innovative, no matter how big you get. It's going to be fun. Bruce, welcome to the Natural Underground. Yeah. So for many folks, Langer's means juice, right? That's what they think of. You guys have been around since 1960, I believe. Let's talk about the family story. How did Langer's get started? Our our dad started with making fresh-squeezed carrot juice, small handcrafted batches before that phrase became trendy. It was both for for, uh, consumers walking into our storefront in San Diego and delivery to local nutritional stores. So you actually had a store that was just... A juice, or was it also a grocery store in San Diego? What did that look like? No, just uh, very, very small, just uh, for fresh squeezed juices. Wow, that right is right so, spot. so ahead of its time. That's like something the rest of the country wouldn't see for 30 years, practically. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very cool. 
So today you, you have a, dis, a, a few distinct brands within the larger Langer's portfolio. Tell us about the individual brands and maybe how they're different, at least on the top side. So we have uh, LNA and LNA Organic. Uh, we work with a touch agency on both brands, uh, brainstorming and working with our sales partners and key accounts. Another brand is Langer's. We recently started farming, so our newest brand is Langer Farms, where we focus on juices that are either grown on our farm or pressed on our farm. This fall, you'll see fresh pomegranate and fresh gala and Fuji apples sold under the Langer Farms brand. We also have a line of cocktail mixers under our No Worries brand. Wow! So no you, worries, man. That, we all kind of that. the week before Expo of release our business. We all could use a couple of sips and No Worries. So tell us about this farm for a second. That's wild. You guys actually, I, I've always assumed you sourced from all these great sources, but now you, for, for a, a specific launch, you have a farm that, that you're growing the fruit? Exactly. So we have 600 acres in Bakersfield, and uh, we grow apples and pomegranates. And on the pomegranate side, both conventional and organic. Wow, that's amazing. Well, you... um. You do have a lot of uh, unique products. We know, as you said, you have No Worries, which I'm particularly interested in. You also have uh, regular juice, vitamin-enhanced waters, and those cocktail uh, mixers, the No Worries. So I know you can't probably pick your favorite because they're probably all your children. But if you had to pick one, do you know what you would pick? Okay, well, there there are a few. So mango nectar, um, which we sell around the world, and pineapple orange guava, some of our most popular. Um, but our two of our newest is um, cucumber lime with mint. Ooh, Ooh. Mm. that's sort of poolside fancy. Now those are th- those are newer, but are they your favorites? Well, so let me tell you that you you mentioned about being stuck on an island. So we have a brand new product called Island Blend. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could get no worries and Island Blend on an island, you really wouldn't want to get off that island. There would be no reason uh, otherwise. So Island Blend is pineapple, orange, coconut, and it's inspired oh. by a recipe called Painkiller, which originated, originated on a small island off uh, St. Thomas in the Caribbean, and you definitely need this. Wait a minute. Painkiller, something tells me there was another ingredient in there, if it was on some <laughs> island in the Caribbean. There had to be some rum or something. <laughs> I think this was made for you guys. Yeah, yeah. it probably is. <laughs> Whatever you add well, to it. Under LNA. The- I'm sorry. Yeah, go oh, ahead. I was just going to say you can add whatever you want in the comfort of your own home. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So under LNA, we have uh, organic superfruits. It's a blend of high-oxidant juices such as pomegranate, tart cherry, purple carrot, blueberry, and aronia berry. We have uh, organic all beets, organic all-tart all cherry, and we have a fresh-pressed organic all-pomegranate juice from fruit grown on our farm and fresh-pressed, organic, all-watermelon juice from watermelons pressed on our farm. Wow, that so sounds great. I'm hungry slash thirsty. I need a beach. Just listening to that. I, that <laughs> and, and, some, and some juice. Wow, that sounds good. So how, uh, how did you start working for the family business? How young were you? What was your first job? Were you picking fruit or a sampler? <laughs> how did that start? So I, I worked a few summers during high school. Um, Help with some labeling and just, you know, um, and just helping run run the operation a little bit. Swept some floors, um, did did all of that, uh, and then I didn't work again until I completed law school in 1985. Uh, my brother was much more dedicated. He worked throughout high school and college. Um, so that's that's 
what we did during during those early days. And and what were some of the the best things about working for the family business and perhaps the worst? Is it true that you shouldn't go into business with your family? Oh, no, no, absolutely not. So the best <laughs> feeling, <laughs> I highly recommend it. Okay, good. Um, the best feeling is trust in your family partners that all of our motivations are in sync. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely love spending a lot of time with my dad, having lunch every day with him or just about every day for, for, for many, many, many years. Um, you know, and then the, the, the downside of family business, I would say it's a, a lack of time boundaries. So you end up talking about work the evenings or around the dinner table. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But I, I, I wouldn't change that for the world. Over the years, how has the juice category changed, and what do you see as the next big change coming to the world of juice? So what we've seen is just a move towards clean labels, um, gluten-free, fewer calories, less sugar, a greater interest in nutrients coming from fruits and vegetables instead of having those nutrients added. Hmm. That makes sense. Really interesting. Uh, how was Langer's adapted and responded to changing consumer trends like cleanses, lower sugar, etc.? So we're combining organic and zero calories together. We have a, another new product in 12-ounce cans. It's organic sparkling flavored waters with zero calories, zero carbs, zero sodium, but bursting with flavor. No sweeteners whatsoever, nothing hidden, all organic. That's, that's, that's what we see. Oh, that's awesome. As a major player in the juice category, how have you seen retailers merchandise the category differently in response to the evolving juice category? So we've seen integration into the juice aisle of organic and natural. So when we started, natural and organic were segregated into in own, their own aisles. Um, in traditional grocery stores, there were there was limited traffic in those sections. Now, reach, more and more retailers are integrating them into the main aisle, where there's lots of traffic and, and many more choices. Yeah, it is really amazing. All, uh, that in the perimeter of the store, you're starting to see more people pull beverage displays and juice and in, in the, into the perimeter of the store where there's so much traffic. But before we even go down any more of that aisle uh, of the store, mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of amazed. I'm sitting here listening just to the number of products and new items you've launched. I mean, what kind of R&D department? How do you, who comes up with all this stuff internally at Langer's? Because, I mean, we know companies who struggle to come out with one good idea. You guys have launched so many. We have really good people that are very dedicated, really really care about the business and about our company. Um, so we, we let our imaginations just take over. Um, we listen to the touch agency and their ideas. Yeah, I love the, the plugs. The plugs are spectacular. Uh, and we have such great retailer partners and try to build relationships of trust with them. So many of our retailers have shared their thoughts with us, and this has led to new ideas. So innovation is just part of our core value of healthy and natural and authentic sourcing. These are the beverages that we consume and want for our own families. I guess that sort of transitions to this idea. What, what I've been amazed at, and, and you don't see this happen very often, let alone you bring out so many new items and uh, often items that seem like they're innovative and cutting edge. 
But how, maybe just a direct question, how difficult is it once you've established yourself as a major player in an established big category to keep innovating? Because we, we all live in an industry that rewards and recognizes the next wild idea. Earlier in our show, we were talking about Expo coming up and the fact that, you know, they had 83,000 people last year and you just see crazy stuff in there. Yeah, a lot of duplicate, but a lot of crazy new stuff as well. How do you guys maintain that innovative edge? You know, how, and how important is that for companies in established categories to do that? Well, we listen. Um, we listen to everybody, and um, if we hear of something, and especially, especially if we are hearing something twice from different sources, that's that really we feel we need to jump on it, and then we decide, you know, are we going to take the lead or not? And and that's really. That's really the key to innovation. You know, um, you get an idea, and then you, you really have to jump on it. Yeah, and and then you guys have seem like you have an amazing ability to be nimble, and that is not something you see. You know, often people have invested in infrastructure or machinery or whatever, and they can't be nimble. What blows us away about Langers is just, it just you know, as a compliment, is the absolute nimbleness to to be able to turn the things you hear about into and you are listening for into actual you know, kind of next-gen products. Very cool. Before we go... I appreciate that. And and again, it goes back to our people that work really hard, and and, and they're empowered to come up with their own ideas. I mean, absolutely, there's no single source of ideas from anyone here. Um, There's a lot of back and forth, and everyone knows they can speak freely about uh, a thought or an idea they have or or something that they want to tweak or change or modify, and, uh, and they have an audience because there's no proprietorship of, of innovation here. Before I let you go, last question. What's your best piece of advice for that new entrepreneur who's maybe starting a food or a beverage company, obviously outside of don't start a juice company, which I think would be your advice, just because, you know, there's enough competition as it is. But what would that piece of advice be, that thing if you could go back in time and tell yourself or tell them, um, you know, what's that little nugget for the guy starting a brand or the woman starting a business? I would go back to that statement about listening, listening to people, uh, listening to different sources. And, um, again, if you're hearing something multiple times, then make the decision, are you going to jump on this? Are you going to take the lead? Or, you know, you can't be a follower in this industry. You have to take the lead and, 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 move, and move quickly. So you have to decide, are you the type of person that can move quickly and run with an idea? Love it. Bruce, thank you so much for coming on the show. We want to get you back on a lot. You've had a lot of uh, wisdom to share based on experience and a successful brand. Um, if people want to know more about Langers or take a look at all these products, what's the website? So the website is langers.com, and then you can also find us on Facebook uh, slash uh, Langers Juice. Awesome. Thank you, Bruce. That's our show. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening. If you have any questions or you want to get a hold of us, please email us at info at newbrainuniversity.com or follow us on Facebook at The Natural Underground. We look forward to seeing you, hearing you, being on your radio <laughs> next week. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Peace out.